Welcome to the Power of Faith and the Ministry of David Hathaway. Please join David as he ministers today's Word. And that moves me on now to uh, the next chapter, chapter 4, which begins, Paul is saying, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. And you know, there's so many ways in which we can look at this, because in the earlier chapter, Paul says he's a prisoner of the Lord for the Gentiles. But here now, he's just simply saying he's a prisoner of the Lord. And somehow this fits in so much with what I've already been saying about the height, the depth, uh, the, the, the length, the breadth of the love of God. And here Paul is actually saying he describes himself as a prisoner of the Lord. Now, how do I explain this? I can only explain it by saying that he was held captive by love. In other words, he didn't serve God just because it was a vocation. (laughs) Certainly didn't with Paul. He didn't do it because it was a vocation, because somebody had chosen him. He was doing it, and the whole of his life was based upon his being a prisoner of love. In other words, he was bound to the Lord by his love for him. And you know, uh, so often... You read in, in, in the scripture about fearing God. And as a youngster, <laughs> it's one of the many questions I used to ask my father. You know, what does it mean that we fear God? And it isn't a sense of being afraid of God. What it really means is, is that we love him so much, we're afraid to displease him. And this is just an expression of love. We, we love somebody. We don't want to displease them or hurt them because of the love. And that's why Paul is saying, after he's been describing love, he's saying, I am held captive. I am a prisoner to the Lord simply through love. And then he goes on to say, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. We have to be responsible. And he says that we have to do it with lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. In other words, there has to be a sense of humility. You know, I, I, I find this that um, whenever I, I, I preach, always the devil comes to me afterwards and he he really rubs around the wrong way because he's always telling me, well, you should have said this, you should have done that, why didn't you say this? And so often I, 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 I'm concerned that I haven't fulfilled what the Lord really wanted me to do. So we have to be constrained with this. And, you know, right from the beginning, People don't understand this. When I, I, I'd been working and evangelizing and preaching in the, in the Soviet Union for so many years, and then I began to have the big conferences in the West. And I remember the first one, we called it the East-West Conference in uh, 1988. That was before the freedom came. I'd been preaching behind the Iron Curtain. Now I was in the West, and it was the first really big meeting I, I ever held in the West. Yeah, we got about 4,000 for the first, and it grew to more than 5,000 in the end. But I was so concerned, I never even booked myself as a preacher. 
I felt so much that we needed the other preachers. I had Reinhard Bonnke, I had uh, Brother John Osteen, the father of, uh, of the present pastor. And I never saw myself as worthy. And I can remember turning to Brother John Osteen uh, in that conference saying, Oh, Brother John, do you know, I feel I need to speak. And he said, well, it's your conference if you want to speak to. And I did. But, you know, twice people came to me after that. And one time uh, someone said, look, David, these people are coming from all over behind the art curtain. And they're actually coming to hear you because you're the one that's been there, been ministering there. These others from the West don't understand us as you do. And I can remember 1990, because we continued those Karlsruhe conferences for four years, but we made a break, and in 1990, we were in Hungary. And I brought in, it was the most amazing thing. I mean, that conference in itself was a powerful miracle, because it was under communism still, that we hadn't got the freedom, still under communism. And God had opened a door for me to take the stadium. And what they had actually said to me, because I defended the communists, and uh, immediately prior to this conference, they'd banned me from the country. But yet, God simply said to me, I've set before you an open door, no man can shut it. And the government had asked me to go back in and the condition was I could hold a crusade if I invited every denomination together, not just as with uh, Billy Graham, who had only been allowed to preach to Baptists. He said, you can come back in on the condition you bring every single denomination together. And we did. But I was still so nervous, so hesitant, and I'd brought in all these other preachers to come from around the world to preach. But yet, one of the most amazing things was when a man came up to me. I never knew him. I've never seen him before. I've never seen him since. He said, David, I didn't intend to come to this conference, but God told me to come simply to give you a message. And he said, these people have come here. You are the one with the vision. You are the one with the message. You. Why do you call these other preachers in? You are the one they want to hear. You know, I needed something like that because until then I'd never seen myself as worthy enough to do it. So I understand what Paul's saying. And then he goes on in chapter 4, he goes on to endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit. He's again saying there is one body, one Spirit, one hope, one faith. I mean, he, he puts it down, and we know this very, very simply. Uh, there's one body, one Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So, there is such a sense of oneness in Christ. And, you know, to me, this is why one of the greatest miracles of my ministry is what's happened in the Ukraine. That we're in the Ukraine. When I saw, uh, this is uh, 2016, and when I saw that the, 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 the Russians had evaded in the East and there was great trouble there, 
And I'd seen that the military couldn't overcome that, couldn't win the war, the politicians couldn't do it. And I turned to church leaders and I said, what the military can't do, what the politicians can't do, God can. And I remember on the basis of that calling the pastors together to prayer, but it became so much of a miracle that in the end, and we're still continuing those days of prayer, in the end, we had every single denomination in the country, without exception, pleading with me. And I had to meet the head, whether he was a, a bishop, an archbishop, or whatever he was, the, the head of the Orthodox Church, the head of the Catholic Church, the head of every denomination, Baptist, Pentecostal, and so on. And I had to personally speak with them because I said, look, if we're going to have this day of prayer, we have to absolutely stand in unity. And I remember said, saying, look, there's one condition. If you want to join this day of prayer, there's one condition, and it's simply this. You have to declare two things. One, that the Bible is the Word of God and the only authority in the church. And secondly, salvation is only in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to The Power of Faith, broadcast with David Hathaway. We would love to hear from you. Contact us by visiting www.eurovision.org.uk. Also available online are a large assortment of videos, magazines and books for your growth in God. We would like to give all new subscribers to David's ministry a free gift. To receive your free gift, visit www.eurovisiontv.org. Remember, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits.